Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode, we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses' overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body, and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started. Hey team, Katie here. Welcome to episode eight of our connection series and this is our final installment. I hope you've enjoyed our connection series so far and we would love to hear from you if you have any feedback, if you've been implementing any of these tools or just generally have any questions about what we've talked about. Today we're going to be talking about the elusive soft hands that your horse can trust. Oh boy, is this a tough one. So let's start with what we were talking about last week with being uh, less of a burden on our horse's back, being an easy weight to carry. Our hands cannot be soft, kind and clear if we are unbalanced and using our horse's mouth to balance. They also can't be soft, kind and clear if we are lacking the coordination to move smoothly into our figures and our movements with our horses. So starting out, we need to make sure that we are able to balance over strong, secure lower legs and turn through our waist when we're riding so that our eyes, shoulders, hips are all looking in the direction that we are trying to steer our horse to. Now, secondly to this, again, we're going to be talking about the difference between what creates an aesthetically pleasing picture that we get rewarded for and what actually soft, kind and clear looks like to our horse. So what we get told a lot about as horse riders is having light hands. And so the lightness of our hands is not... Having, it's not about having you know, slack contact with the horse's mouth. We don't want to not feel their mouth. There has to be a little bit of resistance that our horse is going into the contact where we can actively feel their mouths. We want them to seek our hands for connection. So in our Green to Self Carriage membership, we have a lot of this broken down into cue training with our hands and just you know, it's going to require some visuals. I'm going to include a YouTube training as well. You can get the link in the show notes. But soft hands isn't about zero contact. Lightness isn't about zero contact. So there's a couple of things that come up with 
when we're developing that quality of connection and soft, clear, kind hands and having hands our horse can trust. So what we are doing before we are establishing contact and connection is we teach our horses to seek the release of pressure but then when we get into the saddle and we're looking for maintaining contact with their mouth and connection there is no release of pressure so there is a learning required which is the purpose of our training trainability membership where the horse understands past goes beyond the idea of just seeking the release of something that's uncomfortable they're not seeking the release of pressure anymore because they're seeing that pressure as a tool for communication. So when we're doing this on the ground, we're doing this with our, our whip. And so the whip is not a tool for punishment. It's not creating pressure or force. It's not making them uncomfortable. It is just a word and the word is away from. That word is going to transfer into the saddle to our leg pressure and our leg becomes a word and that word is away from. When we're working on the ground and we're asking our horse to follow halter pressure, that is a word and the word is follow. And so we're going to transfer that into the saddle and the bit pressure becomes a word and the word is follow. And so we need to go past this idea of subversion submission <laughs> through aversives and discomfort and creating you know something uncomfortable that our horse is trying to get away from and into our pressure tools are just a way of communication and if you're using them as a way of pain or punishment then we're not going to be communicating very effectively so when we have true acceptance of contact our horses understand that they can communicate with us through the bit and so they have an acceptance of the piece of metal in their mouth and then they actively seek that piece of metal for guidance because there's a lot of confidence required from the horse when we go you know from their from the ground to their back everything that we do on the ground we can take the lead and they can follow us it's very clear they understand what the answer is but when we go onto their back we're in more of a driving position and so we need them to take the lead but still see us as a leader that they're following so they need to have the confidence to know what is going to be asked of them and what they're supposed to be doing and that is the first part of working with the green horse is building their confidence to lead with us in a more driving position the confidence to know and try and figure out what the answer is, which is again what our training trainability is. It's not just about seeking the release of pressure. We are creating words that our horse understands and knows what the response to that word should be. And having the confidence to do that until we change our ask. So there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot going on in the saddle, which is why we have such an extensive course about it. It's, why horse riding in itself is so hard but when we do this right when we actually have true connection and communication through the bit pressure is absolutely magic and it feels amazing so in the green stages and we can even still have this in an educated horse as well we're teaching our horses how to seek our hands for communication so 
if we have a horse that is seeking the release of pressure, not seeking our hands, then that's when we have a horse that's either working behind the bit, above the bit, or leaning on the bit. If they, uh, if we have hands that they're not seeking, but we've asked for a frame, then they're going to hold themselves slightly behind the contact so that they have the release of pressure by being behind the vertical, behind the contact. If we haven't been asking for a frame and we haven't given them hands to seek, then more often than not, they're more comfortable, more balanced having their head up, but then their neck contracts and gets shorter and their pole goes high and it grounds the forehand and we can end up with concussive problems and hollowness through the back. That same hollowness is there for the horse that is working behind the vertical. It's just that they're creating the aesthetically pleasing picture that gets rewarded and marked well by the judges as opposed to the horse that has its pole high and is considered resisting and fighting the contact. But in both cases, we have a contact that our horse isn't seeking and hands that they don't trust. It's just that the horse that has tucked its nose behind the vertical has a more aesthetically pleasing frame that the, the judges are going to mark better for. So the other horse is going to lean on our hands to try and stabilize the bit in their mouth. So if our hands are not a tool for communication for them yet, May, this is also a process when we start teaching our horses to seek our hands for connection. They do get heavy and, and lean on it first. Uh, but if they also haven't learnt uh, how to seek the hands for communication yet, or if they've, they've kind of learnt it but our hands are not like soft enough for them to trust, then they're going to lean their weight on it to keep the bit moving from moving around too much in, in their mouth to try and stabilize the bit. So make sure you have your horse's teeth done. Make sure that you have your bridle fit and your bit fit done properly so that the all of that is very nice and comfortable for them. And then we're going to tell our horses that our hands aren't a fifth leg for them to lean on. And our horse leaning on the bit is going to be on the forehand and so we're trying to shift their balance and their weight back into their hindquarters to get true engagement. So we have a few learnings here. We have our horse needing to seek our hands for communication, not seek the release of pressure. We need to have hands that our horse can trust. We need to have the cue that invites our horse into our hands, but then also the cue that invites them up into self-carriage. And then we need to make sure that our horse understands what the answer to the bit cue is. So follow or stop, seek or stack your posture, look in your direction of travel. And this is where the complexity of our cue training comes in. So if you've listened to my trainings for any period of time, you will have heard me talk about how easy cue training in uh, words is. And that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to flesh out a language with our horse. The language in the saddle is two legs, two hands and a seat. So we need to make sure that they understand the answer to those individual aids and then we're going to start putting them together into uh, 
combinations to create new words for our horse. And this is where it gets really complex because now we're using aids that mean the opposite of each other to create, create a new word, that word is balance. So when we're looking at having our legs and our reins on at the same time and we're riding into contact, if our horse understands legs mean go, reins mean slow, then how do they differentiate between into contact and or whether they should listen to the hands or listen to the legs? Quite often what happens is our horses just tune one or the other out and if you become too forceful in driving them into contact we're going to have big dangerous behavioral problems because they will just have a meltdown and we're going to trigger rearing and bucking and bolting. So there's a lead up process to acceptance of contact, working into contact and that is uh, relaxation and swing through the back so that when we stack the posture up our legs work as like an accelerator in a car and our hands work as a clutch. So when we are putting our legs on we're revving the engine and when we put the contact on it's like engaging the clutch and we're revving the engine into the clutch and then letting the clutch out and that's going to be so we're shortening and connecting and rebalancing the stride or we're letting the stride out and increasing ground coverage but there are so many exercises before that lead up to that point of our horse actually being able to do this so first and foremost, we need to have our tempo changes very well established that our horse can slow and that our horse can go within the pace. If we still have our horses uh, not established in their working paces, we have absolutely no chance of developing acceptance of contact and we are still working on the words reins mean follow. Once our horses start establishing reins mean follow, then we can start asking reins mean seek. Once we have established hands mean seek, we can start inviting the horse down into a stretch, asking them into long and low. And from there, we're going to be stacking them up into posture. And the stacking of posture is absolute key. It's critical to how well your horse is going to work for you. If they stack their posture poorly, so they drop a hip, they drop their pelvis, they rotate their pelvis, they lean on a shoulder, uh, they ground the forehand. If they do any of these when we're asking them to stack into posture, we are limiting our horse's athletic potential, their balance and their maneuverability. When we're asking our horse to stack up, we're asking the horse's hind legs to track up evenly. When we're asking for relaxation and swing through their back, we're asking for them to come up at the base of the wither instead of up at the pole. And that is allowing for the extension of the shoulder and the extension of the shoulder should come through evenly from both sides. None of this can happen if we haven't done some work on ourselves to identify our balance and our center of gravity and stack our own posture. So I'm also going to add that to the link in the show notes. If you didn't get it last week, make sure that you have a look at our YouTube training of how we work on just a very simple basic exercise of stacking our posture and finding our balance on the ground so that it includes we can take it through to in the saddle. So we've got our horse that can go down into long and low. We've got 
a horse that can stack up into posture and now we really need to be paying attention to the feeling of our contact. You want to have even weight in your inside and your outside rein. You need to be making sure that you're not pulling the head to turn. All of the steering and the bending needs to be coming from our legs at this point. Then we can pay attention to, you know, if their head just pops up over the contact a little bit, can you still feel their mouth? Can you still feel the mouth evenly in both hands? Our horses are going to not want to keep their posture stacked well because it's hard work. So you might start to feel the rein get heavier in one hand more so than the other. And that will be because they've dropped one hip and so they're disengaging and driving off of one hip and engaged in driving, stepping through with the other hip. Or and then that compensates into the shoulder. So the hind leg that they drop and disengage they have to put, because they're not balancing into that hind leg, they're going to be balancing into that shoulder. It's quite often the right, so they quite often drop and disengage the right hind. They're stepping through with the left, leaning into the right shoulder. And so then a lot of balance is in the right shoulder and they're going to fall and lean onto the right shoulder. But then there's a lot more elevation through the left shoulder because the left shoulder isn't really taking any balance most of the balance is in the left hind and the right shoulder so the crookedness is just inherent in their musculoskeletal system and it's in our training that we're trying to balance that crookedness out for good postural alignment that allows for soundness athletic potential and movement to feel good for them so we're paying attention to whether our horse is still in our hands or not and if they pop up above them then we're just going to give them that same invitation to seek our hands to invite them back into it if they're you know starting to stretch their nose out and they're starting to get strung out we're going to decide does my horse need to go into a stretch are they starting to fatigue and then I can stack them back up or do I just need to do a little bit of stacking for a moment of togetherness here and then give them a relax or have they started to duck behind the contact and I need to give them the cue to go back open out through the gullet and seek the contact before stacking again. So these little bit pressure cues are very, very subtle and they're not applying weight to their mouth. They're kind of just like tapping the rein. At this stage, our reins should not have any backwards actions in their mouths. Our hands are together forward and down with a horse that is seeking our hands and we can invite up into contact through the base of the wither. We also really want to be comfortable with letting our horse travel in contact and without contact. It can be a bit of a tricky place to get your head around as a beginner or intermediate rider, maybe an amateur rider, where letting go of the horse's mouth means that you're not in control anymore. But we have to be really comfortable with not trying to control our horse through the bit. As soon as we think that the bit is what controls our horse, that's where we have that connection and that communication breakdown because that's when we start creating pain in our horse's mouth. The control comes from the work that we've done on the ground to have a good conversation with our horse. We have 
well cued in aids and emotional self-regulation and we've done the work with consent which means that our horse is going to tell us that there's a problem before it becomes a big behavior so we don't need to work so hard to control our horse with the bit in in the saddle so being able to get your horse into that state of mental relaxation that we work on with our relaxation cues and then being able to drop their mouths for them to ride independently of contact and then being able to bring them back up into contact and let them go again is really important to health, having a healthy ridden relationship between us and our horse. The more kind of fear you get within yourself to feel like you need to be in control of what your horse is doing, the more uncontrollable your horse becomes because the bit does not physically control them. It just creates pain. And so we still have, if you're going to ride in a submission-based way, the submission is to pain. We still have all of the emotional dysregulation. We still have the miscommunication and them not understanding what the aids mean and what the cues mean. And so we're just still going to be hanging on to the big behaviors and whatnot. Your best opportunity and your best chance and the best way for your horse to work is to be completely at peace with the fact that you are sitting on a giant flight animal and have zero control over them. <laughs> that is a really important element to establishing connection in the saddle because connection isn't control, connection is co-creation within the relationship. And we have to do this on the ground with our horses first and then move it into saddle. What we've got on the ground, we've got worse in the walk, we've got worse in the trot, we've got worse in the canner have these conversations on the ground so you don't feel like you're out of control on your horse and so that you can feel that you have communication with the horse so then you're using the reins for communication not for control and so again this is why we've split out and built on top of each pillar within training trainability through to green to self carriage is making sure that we have all of these words cued in everybody is super comfortable and confident with the bit pressure aids on the ground so that when we take it into the saddle the emotional self-regulation is there the communication is there and everybody is on board with what the bit pressure means and how to communicate it effectively so lastly we are going to talk about a horse that mouths the bit. So when our horses feel the bit pressure, they're going to lock their jaw on it. When they lock their jaw, they lock their neck muscles. And you can see this in a lot of dressage horses where the muscles on their neck are bulging or they're bulging, um, you know, just behind the ears there. And that is because they've locked their jaw and they're not actually turning their head to look in the direction of travel that is being forced to happen from the contact. When we're doing true flexion, it is just an ask, it is just an indication to our horse to ask them to look. The more that you overtly use the rein pressure to create the turn of the head, the more resistance through the neck your horse is going to give you because you are pull, pulling them off balance and trying to do that. So if you think that submission to the bit looks like, you know, just nagging with the rein contact until you get the soften and the give, well, it, you know, there's still that tension in the horse's neck and the jaw. It's just like... A, a gentle tapping 
of the, the brain that is indicating to them to turn their head that goes away when they turn their head to look in the direction of travel. So the horse is turning the head themselves. You're just indicating to them, you're just cueing to them that you'd like them to look. And it is through them turning their own heads that they engage their own muscles that they can release the tension in their jaw, their pole and their neck. When we have still like completely still hands even if they are still soft and our horse is still seeking them and they're stretching and they're stacking well they will still have a lock in their neck and their jaw it is in the pulsing of the ring finger that asks for the lightness of the horse's mouth because they're going to be able to turn their head themselves and they're not leaning on bracing against or just like holding into the hand with static neck movement. We're creating that, you know, maneuverability that they can turn their head to look where they're going. They turn their head through their, their neck, not their pole but it is through the turn of the head, them doing it themselves, that they release the tension of the neck and their shoulders, and that is what truly gets them off the forehand. If we have hands that are making our horses off balance, then the jaw locks, the neck locks, the shoulders lock, they won't come up off the forehand. You ask them into contact, you ask them into a frame, and they round their neck without bringing the forehand up. And then that flows on to tension through the rest of their back and, and their body that can create behavioral issues like bucking and rearing. So this part is incredibly complex. <laughs> if you haven't figured that part out, there is a lot of layering that is involved when we get to this point. So the way that I like to teach is we start with a foundation that we're working on and you practice it until you're doing it unconsciously so that you can layer the next skill in. And then the so we're wiring your body into coordination and balance and when you can get that level of wiring to a a stage of unconsciousness then we can wire in the next skill set and the next challenge um, and get that to the point of being unconscious but then you're also going to come back and you're going to refine those foundational things that you were working on because the first time you practice your your balance and your coordination you're going to learn new things about what your body can do when you're learning new movements that you're doing within the saddle. And so that's going to give you the potential to refine what you already know. So you're going back and looking at the foundations from the eyes of somebody with more experience. And then you're getting that level of experience into a level of unconsciousness so that you can layer in the next skill and then you're coming back and looking at your foundations where you can refine them so that the movement is tidier, more balanced, more coordinated to then layer that next skill in. And so that's why we lay out our lesson plans very strategically is to figure out what uh, are our exercises that we're doing first that is going to create balance in our body and coordination in our cueing and then also to communicate clearly with our horse 
what are we doing first and then what's going to layer in on top of that quite often when we go learn how to ride at a riding school maybe an instructor a lot of the instructors you know have never broken a horse in have never ridden a green horse and they have also started at um you know not a green stage of development in their riding and training skills so they themselves have also missed all of the foundational stuff and so they try and start teaching you at inside leg to outside rein until we have all of the rest of the communication the emotional self-regulation the cueing the acceptance of contact the seeking of contact understanding that we have individual aids that come together to create new world, words and build on top of each other without that foundational understanding we really really get stuck in our training when we try to move forward when we understand that when we're at this stage of development there's all of these prerequisites to strip back to to get clearer on and then getting clearer and more coordinated and more balanced in that foundational application and then bringing it together to move forward again that's what's going to crack those training blocks that you get stuck in when you're going round and round the 20 meter circle for like you know three or four years and you can't seem to progress out of it or you're stuck in you know your sit trot work not being able to develop collection because you can't get your horse off the forehand because the only bit pressure cue that you know is to tuck your horse's nose in this is such a problem and why so many people don't make it into the collection work is if we spend you know our foundational work teaching our horse that bit pressure is submission and they need to just tuck their nose we have no way of communicating collection because once they just tuck their nose we have no way of communicating up from the forehand especially if we've broken their postural alignment to tuck their nose in and they've got the release of pressure by going behind the contact then there is no way forward with communication and that's typically where riders will sell their horses on thinking that their horses don't have the potential to do collected work but the potential got broken right back at the beginning when the horse was told to tuck their nose to bit pressure instead of understanding that we can communicate with our horse through that contact and that's where our connection conversation continues in the saddle and so I understand that this is very very complex this is like a lifetime of my work to even get to this point so that's why we have it all laid out in our membership of how to layer the skills in on top of each other so that you can have bit pressure for communication and connection but if you have an instructor that is telling you to just tuck their nose in and drive them into your hand you are missing all of what it means to have connection in the saddle so <laughs> on that note check out our membership link is in the show notes gonna throw a couple more links in here for this one because it is such a complex theory and you're probably going to need to uh, you know watch some video to really get a true appreciation of what we're trying to talk about we also have our stop drilling 20 meter circles training which I'll include in this one as well and that's a free training and then we have it all laid out from groundwork through to written exercises through to acceptance of contact 
for self-carriage in our membership. If you have any questions about this connection series or if you would like any additional support, feel free please to just reach out, say hi. We love talking horses. Uh, jump in our Stronger Bond community and reach out there. And uh, we just want to see happy horses that enjoy their jobs. And if we can help you get there, we, we want to, you know, contribute those resources and expand your toolkit. Let us know what you think of these connection series. And until next week, happy trails. If you're loving what you're listening to on the podcast, you might be starting to recognize that pain-based submission training for control is the worst way to train a safe horse that wants to look after you. If you're working with or around horses, you'll know how unpredictable and sometimes scary they can be. Unfortunately, most struggling horse riders make the mistake of thinking that the bit is for controlling a horse and asking them into a frame before they are ready. If you're not doing the work to help your horse manage stress and pressure to emotionally self-regulate, if you're not doing the work to understand how to clearly communicate with each other, and cue words in, your riding will plateau and you'll find yourself going round in circles both literally and figuratively. With only glimpses of that beautiful unicorn moment, which is the union of our dancing souls in harmony. That's why we've created our new free training and workshop, Stop Drilling 20 Meter Circles. In this course, we teach you how to move forward in your training by getting off the 20 meter circle, getting clear in your communication, feel, and how to use your seat. If you're ready to get some big aha moments and riding breakthroughs, if you're wanting to establish connection in the saddle but stuck and feeling unsure on what to do next, asking yourself, why does my horse do dot dot dot, or how can I recognize if my horse doesn't have enough muscle to work well, and just spinning your wheels, trying to figure out which exercise to choose to help move yourself and your horse forward to become more athletic or make their work more efficient, Check out our free training www.equestriumovement.com forward slash stop drilling circles and I will uncover the secrets to develop connection in the saddle, feel and how to use your seat.